everybody. I got a couple of guys on here today, so this is going to be a little different, but they're both guys that you know, and we've had a pretty good relationship with over the years through, uh, through some of the clubs. And uh, I wanted to bring these two on together because they've worked together on some cool projects that I want to touch on. And just as houndsmen and my talking with them over the years, I, I got a lot of respect for these guys. And uh, I'd like to introduce Jake Benintendi, which Jake, that was correct on the last name, right? You're perfect. See, and I, I was worried I was going to butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jake, you were uh, president of the Idaho Houndsmen Association for several years, right? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Was the president of the IHA for a few years and the vice president of the Idaho Sporting Dogs. Right on. And then we've got Matt Borg with us from Eastern Idaho. You still with us, Matt? I'm still here. Right on. So no title for Matt. No. Well, Matt, you were president also, right? Yeah, I was president president for a while also. For a while. And they, <laughs> and they, and they kicked you out or you do leave willingly? Well, uh, I was president of Eastern Idaho for a while and now I'm my wife and I are the secretary treasurer. So, All right. and still president of uh, Idaho Sporting Dogs. That's kind of like a promotion going. Yeah, right. Going backwards. You did, now you got to do real work. That's right. Yeah. The, the secretary treasurer is where all the work is. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. That's why it's the hardest position to fill for any club. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. And you guys have known each other, you know, for quite a while, right, Matt? You and Jake? Yeah, we've known each other for, oh, God, I'd say at least 10 years, you know, going to maybe longer than that, going to the fishing game commissioner meetings, you know, fighting for different issues and, and in between the two clubs, you know, banquets and trials and stuff like that. Right. You guys, you guys have been, like, I've been watching a little bit and you guys have really kind of, I don't, and I don't know what it was before, but you guys seem like you kind of really stepped up a little bit with the fishing game and, and your relationship with them. Is that true? Yeah, I think, I think absolutely. Cool. Yeah. We've, we've really tried hitting all the meetings and, uh, you know, get more guys activated and going to them and, and being real specific on, on the different things coming up and our proposals. And it's been really good. So, if, if if our listeners haven't, I mean, Jason's already ruined the podcast because we've turned it political. Yeah, right. <laughs> everybody off. We, we're supposed to be talking about dogs. We're watching we're viewers wanna, leave right now. <laughs> they're tanking. <laughs> so you guys are getting set up. You don't even know it, but but you're probably going to be the worst. But anyways, we wanted to make sure that one of our, our things is we want to have fun. We want to talk about dogs. We want to talk about your guys' dogs. And so... um I'm making that, that jab, but it is really important that people support um, associations and getting out there and, and helping our cause. So, so we're going to try not to, you know, make this entirely political and boring because I, I don't know about you guys, but I know that's not <laughs> why we do this, you know, is, is for that, but it's Jake and Matt get enough politics as it is. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's needed. It, we, guys like you are needed to, to keep this going. So. Yeah, absolutely. So with two of you on, I mean, this is the first time, so I think we're going to break this down a little bit because we want to hear about both your guys' dogs. Um, and I, I think I'm just going to start with Jake. So when you got into this, I mean, how did the whole hound, hound thing start for you? Was it something you were born into? 
you, you know, I wasn't born into it. I'm first generation in my family. Um, but I started young as a young teenager. Uh, and I, I had some, I worked at a hunting store in Boise, uh, when I was a teenager and, uh, met a lot of different types of hunters, a lot of different sportsmen through there. Um, and I met some people that were houndsmen and, and, uh, you know, it, it was all over from, from that point, but, uh, um, kind of got, uh, got to see some of the good and some of the bad and some of the, uh, uh, guys that I wanted to emulate and some of the guys that I didn't want to be like. So that was nice. Um, kind of, kind of had a, uh, a little bit of a measuring stick to go off of on where I wanted to be when this whole thing said and done and, and, uh, where I didn't want to be. So, um, saw a little bit of good and bad through it, but, uh, grateful for all the experience. Right on. That's kind of how I got started. And the one thing that I always think of when I think of you, Jake, is you got them good looking black and tans, which as a blue tick guy, I mean, my heart goes out to, to fellow, uh, minority breed owners, I guess on this West coast, <laughs> <laughs> but are the, are, are those dogs that you've been running for a long time or is it something you've shifted over the years? And I just know there, there's some of the nice looking black and tan dogs I've seen as far as build and holding up to this oh. West coast stuff. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the, I've had these, this line of black dogs for about 20 years. Uh, they're all the work of prior houndsmen and prior breeders, not my own work. Uh, Kenneth Duncan in uh, Morgan, Utah is pretty much responsible for everything that I have. And, and most of the guys in the Northwest that have good big game black and tans uh, can pretty much go back to Ken at some point in time and, and uh, tip their hat to him. Cause he's done a lot of, a lot of uh, research and brought in a lot of good blood from back East and down South to, to breed into his stuff. So, um, so we're, we're pretty blessed. We've had uh, great success with them. Uh, they're fantastic family dogs. Uh, and I gotta live, I gotta live with them. You know, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys have dogs and, and they hunt them and then they put them away and that's it. Every single dog I own lives in the house. So I gotta be able to live with them. They gotta be house broke. They've gotta have good manners. They, you know, they can't be bickering with each other or, or they just won't last so they've been a a good fit for my family and uh you know i wouldn't right. hunt them if they weren't the real deal so so you, now i know two guys that all of them live in the house you and buddy i, I can't get away with uh bringing them all in <laughs> not, not my choice okay I, I lost that battle it was it was like no dogs in the house okay one dog in the house <laughs> all right bring them all in let's go now they're all in but, but I, jake i mean that is an awesome point that's what i've told people for years is you got to live with them seven days a week some of these guys can't even hunt up you know maybe once a once a month twice a month you know whatever sure. their their load can allow but you got to live with them so I, it's nice to hear somebody else kind of kind of with that same message matt are yeah. your dogs inside or outside Mine are all outside. Okay, before I step on my toes here. So it's two on two, right? <laughs> it's two on two. We're good. Hey, you got my back here, okay? You bet. Oh, I absolutely. Was, I was thinking uh, on some of this, I time to think, and the the image of houndsmen sometimes, um, right or wrong, it's, it's different. When you think like a bird dog guy, you know, they bring their dogs in the house and they're a pet. And, and I'm not saying that this is true for all hounds. I mean, like they're hounds, like my wife is even kind of like, okay, I'm ready for them to have their own kennels outside, you know? Um, but sometimes we can, we can leverage that 
you know, and not everybody has to do it, but having a, a dog that I, I, I'm stumbling here, I'm, I'm mumbling, but whenever you show up, people have a, a stigma of what a hounds are. And that stigma sometimes goes back, you know, we, we you know, a hundred years or whatever. And whenever they see my dogs, they're well behaved. Like I just took them to the vet and she's like, Oh my gosh, these dogs are the most well-behaved dogs. They're, they have manners and, and, that kind of presentation to the right person sometimes changes opinions on, on what hounds are. And that's not to say that everybody Absolutely. has to do it, but so, so Jake, I, I can, I can feel your <laughs> side. There is some benefits and, and sometimes you gotta you use that to our advantage as far as houndsmen as a group. It doesn't yeah. mean that, you know, Matt, don't pick on you now, but you know what I mean? Like if, if you're really wanting to showcase, man, these dogs, and sometimes it's a, it's, it's all fluff. That's what the antis do. You know what I mean? They really fluff up the bad. Sometimes we got to put those oh, yeah. with, a, with a pretty face like Jake and, and some pretty dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. so what, what kind of hunting do you do with them, Jake? Well, you know, I've hunted pretty much. Well, I should probably go back. Uh, I've had those black dogs for 20 years, but I've had everything I've had. Um, some curs, I've had blue ticks, plots, walkers, red ticks, you know, pretty much everything you could have. Um, right now I run an Airedale and, and Jack Russell's too. So I'll run the dog pound if they catch stuff. Um, I don't really care. Uh, but, uh, the black dogs just suit me. Um, I guess you'd call me probably a primarily a bear hunter that catches cats in the winter. Um, we pretty much, uh, try and breed for the uh, and, and keep dogs that are exceptional bear dogs. Um, I don't hunt bobcats in this country enough anymore that, that I, uh, that I try to stick to those types of traits. So pretty much our dogs are, are, uh, good bear dogs and decent cat dogs, but, uh, um, mostly lions anymore. We have such a high wolf population in my uh, area here that running bobcats is a real, real tough deal. Cause if you get into a, you know, a long race or into some rock piles where they pull some tricks and, and it takes a while to get to the dogs. You're running a pretty good chance of having a wolf pack on top of you. So, uh, we've all, but basically quit Bobcat hunting as bad as I hate to say that. Yeah. That's the pits, man. They've been moving in all over. It seems like, you know, and, and you guys in Idaho have been fighting it a lot longer, even than like us in Oregon, but it has definitely changed the hunt. And I think from, you know, most of the people I talk to, it's changed how they hunt at least as far as trying to just keep that in mind and, and avoid some conflict if possible. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a tough deal. Anybody that, uh, anybody that hasn't lost a dog to wolves or been around uh, a dog that has been taken by wolves, um, it's pretty hard for them to have a real genuine opinion on, mm -hmm. on wolves. Uh, when they've taken your family from you, you build a, a disdain for them yes sir yeah matt when did you uh so so tell us about your early uh, little background on you i guess as far as me i i uh oh i guess i started about 94 93 or 94 and and uh i saw was out snowmobiling and saw a couple lions and and uh went and called some of my buddies that were houndsmen and, and we treated a couple of really nice toms and, and, uh, I was instantly addicted, you know, seeing a big old Tom in a, in a mahogany bush and, 
and uh, picked up a, a red bone right off the bat, you know, that same day. <laughs> well, you like you it know? really hard. So, like, you want to start easy. <laughs> yeah, I, boy, it, it was pretty neat to see that, you know. I mean, the first tom that I saw in a tree was just shy of a 15-inch tom, and, and boy, it was something else to see something like that, you know. And that's pretty pretty cool you know a lot of people don't get to see those things so that'll set the hook huh? pick up that red bone and uh, you know his name was Forrest and after about two weeks I called him Forrest Gump because I was making trees faster than he was yeah that's what I was saying <laughs> whenever you said when, when you said red bone I was like man you like to start it hard <laughs> like, I, I kind of have a soft spot oh, for yeah. dogs too so and what kind of hunting do you do primarily Matt you know I I do it all pretty much I a little bit of coon hunting you know and then uh, but a lot of bears, a lot of cats, um, you know, and bobcats, I, I travel all over. So I, you know, when bobcat season opens, we'll travel a few hours away and go try and catch some bobcats. And, but it just depends on, you know, kind of the snow conditions and kind of, we like traveling around, just trying new spots and, and, uh, but we, we pretty much just hit a little bit of everything. So. Right on. What uh, what got you into the the association? How'd, how'd you get sucked in there? I say sucked in, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, some of the some of the guys, some of those uh, the first couple guys I went with were were uh, part of the club, and they said, "Hey, you know, you ought to you pick up a few dogs, and and uh, you ought to come try it, one of the trials out." And, you'll you'll start to learn all the guys in the area and kind of a different perspective of how other people do it different breeding kind of start figuring out what kind of dog you like you know an open mouth or you know see the different breeds and and so you know i started going to some of the events and went to the banquet and and uh boy it's just been part of it ever since and and uh it's been real good what uh, what dogs do you have now? Are you still still suffering through red bones, or, or do you wise up? I'm, I'm picking on red. There's some red guy. There's some red bone guy out there that's just mad at me right now. But I promise that's how yeah. I started, and I still my favorite dog is a red dog. So I'm I'm not judging, but I beat myself up every time with that dog. Yeah, so I've got a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I've got some really nice blue and and red ticks. Um, and they're real cold nosed dogs, but real gritty, you know. And so I've got those, but I've got I've got a trig, black and tan cross. I've got a red plot right now. Um, you know, I've got some my blue ticks kind of come out of Dave Hill and a little bit of Van Johnson stuff, and and uh, but I've got I've got a little bit of everything in my pack, and so it's I you know I just. I'll I'll try a dog out and see how he works and if he's a hard hunting dog and he he's a catching dog I mean if he'll catch his own game then then he can stay and um, I I try and only keep six to eight dogs and and uh, but I want them to be a start dog I if they're not gonna be a start dog I try and you know I'll pawn them off to somebody else and you know I'll just keep looking for that that right dog you know so um it's a question and you probably you probably said this earlier and i wasn't paying attention but i know you said you hunt raccoon do you hunt bear what was it you hunt with him yep 
so hunt bears um do a lot of bear hunting and then do a lot of a lot of lion hunting and then bobcats and raccoons okay and you run the same dogs on all those game species you don't have like dedicated you bet you know and, and some are real good at bear dogs and some are you know better lion dogs you know i've got a couple that are real cold nosed and i've got a couple that are fairly hot nosed dogs and and but so you know, they all have their strengths and weaknesses so to like interject around a round table question here because i think like matt you having dogs that, that kind of do everything and jake you're running multiple game species do you think that that's changed over the years like because i'm finding that that is harder and harder to find when I talk with people, you know, they've more specified the game species and they've, they've gone that route, either whether it's due to, you know, personal preference or they just have dogs that excel in that area. So they go there. I mean, what do you think, Matt? Do you hunt with people or, or collaborate with a bunch of people that have multi-game dogs? Or do you think that that's something that's kind of, kind of going to the wayside? You know, I think you have, you have some guys that just really like, they like bear hunting better. You know, they kind of like uh, being out with a bunch of two or three buddies and they go hang out and they can turn out more dogs and kind of the, the partnership of around a campfire with more guys, you know, and, and then some guys are more, you know, to themselves and they like to just go out with their family and, and, uh, you know, in our club, we've got a little bit of everything, but most of our guys are pretty, uh, they, pretty much on all of them you know there's not a, some of the guys don't hit the raccoons as hard we don't have a lot of raccoons around here but um but a lot of guys it's mainly just bear and lion uh, jake you see a lot of people like multi-game around you too in, in your guys's club and... yeah there's a there's a fair amount of guys that hunt you know all four species uh that, that you just discussed there um I think for me, mostly it's an opportunity, uh, decision. You know, when I was a kid, we'd hunt, you know, whatever, and weren't too scared to do anything. We'd run old lion tracks and, you know, if they treat a bobcat or started on a bobcat and treat a lion, we didn't care. But anymore, we have to be so selective on what we turn loose on. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's made it tough. So our catch in the winter time has really drastically gone down, uh, compared to what it was, you know, 20 plus years ago. Cause we just, you know, if you're in thigh deep snow, you just can't travel fast enough to get to get to the dogs in time. So, um, so we're, we've been forced to bear hunt more. Um, I'm kind of a weird, uh, probably a weird guy. A lot of the, uh, a lot of the guys, uh, prefer the bear hunting. Uh, I actually prefer the cat hunting myself, but you know, the opportunity just isn't there like it was, you know, our, uh, we only have so many ungulates and, uh, with the, with the cougar population in a little bit of a decline here and the uh, wolf population just continuing to, to go up and up. It's, uh, it's getting tougher to, to find cats and we're traveling thousands and thousands of miles to do it. So, um, so, so bears are still a pretty good option because we have a, a healthy bear population. Well, I, I mean, so now that we've covered some dogs, did you find that you guys had to change the way you hunted or the style of dogs that you were running to do some of these cougar studies? Or did you guys pretty much just jump in at full speed and what you had was rolling? Jake, you want to go first? Well, that, that's fine. So Matt, so Matt's probably had more recent experience with the cougar studies. So you, you may want to refer to him on that one. 
um, just, just cause he was helping with this last year's project. You guys have done like, at least what I've seen on the social media, they really try to interject like club members and, and kids and some youth and building that relationship with, with fish and game. Is that, is that a fair statement matter or. You bet. So on that subject, yeah, we, we, uh, we went down and the area that they chose to put the collars in, um, it's mostly private down there. And so what we did is we, we went down there with some of the locals. I mean, it's, it's about three hours from my house. So it's not an area I hunt a lot, you know? And so we went down there, we got with some of the locals that already had some of the permission and, and we, we just jumped straight in and started, you know, checking all the canes and putting on a pile of miles to find, get the lions, you know, caught and collared. And, and uh, then we really tried hard getting those locals and, you know, their, their kids and their grandkids in there to, uh, to learn, you know, kind of how, what we're doing, how to make sure they knew, you know, how we're, you know, finding tracks and, and the whole process of collaring a lion, you know, and, and, you know, it was pretty cool. We got to work with uh, Boone Smith. Um, we went all Boone and Sam went all over the world, uh, collaring. So it's, it was a great opportunity, super good with kids. They just went straight into the teaching mode and, and I uh, taught them all the aspects and why they was doing it and why the lion was on the ground. We went over, you know, how old that, that lion was, you know, from the teeth drop to, you know, what it was striding to, you know, the different factors. So it was pretty cool, a pretty cool experience in the teaching moment. For, for the youth and and also from the department and the houndsman you know yeah do you think um did you have the relationship with with fish and game before that or was that something that you you built from i guess from that moment well that's the tough part you know uh they do their thing we always do our thing uh for a lot of years we've tried getting them to jump in the truck with us and go and and you know, it hasn't really ever happened uh, too much unless we was at a lion tree and they showed up, you know. So this was a unique uh, experience to to have them, you know, we'd call them and say, well, how's this going to work? We're like, well, we're let them know we're going to go out, you know, as the presidency and the locals, we'd start at 11 o'clock at night and go out looking for tracks and we'll let you know at four or five in the morning what we got and uh, GPS coordinates and and uh, have all your stuff together and meet us there and and we'd we'd catch the lion you know but we'd also used it as a learning experience for them to kind of some of the things that we see that they don't experience you know like what is this is this tom or a female and they you know some of them had an okay idea but we use that just like we were teaching our kids you know to show you know those tracks and what we could see there and and then, and when we got to the tree, they were doing the same thing with us on some of that biology end of, uh, of those cast once it was on the ground. And it was, you know, it worked out really good after the first couple, we, we started working together and they was giving the kids some jobs, you know, checking the lion's temperature and measurements and, and, uh, we was helping them get the lion, you know, out of the tree and all the aspects. So it, it, it really grew into a pretty good relationship with fishing game um you know that was uh that re i mean like region four here like kind of the pocatello utah wyoming corner we got to work with them on quite a few 
uh, cats and, and, and boy, by the end of it, I mean, it was people from the office. They got almost everybody from the office there, which is pretty impressive. And, you know, they was all requesting that they go so they could see it again, you know? So that's, that's, that's pretty rare. You know, you don't get to see that a lot, see that interaction and, and, uh, the coordination and, and everything between the clubs and, and the fishing game. And, and really it, it turned into an awesome PR moment for working with them. Um, you know, they're sending us some of that data, you know, that they're receiving, how far that lion's going, what it's doing. And so that's, that's pretty neat. It'll be pretty good to see that, uh, the data we received from that, you know, yeah, and that's what I wanted to kind of talk touch in on. I hear a lot of like just looking at the past, you know, as far as houndsmen associations, because I'm part of Oregon United you know, Sporting Dog Association, so I've I've kind of been looking at things with depth, and that's why I was like kind of asking you guys if if you guys have really gotten, I don't want to say gears going in this last time, but it seems like you've guys gotten some momentum out of Idaho, and mm. with the relationship of of fishing game and jake did you go down there with them at all yet or so so i wasn't on any of the line uh any of the lion studies this winter the area that i was kind of um earmarked to take care of they didn't call her any lions in this year um so i don't know if they'll do that next year or not but uh our current president cody rollins and some of the board members and some of the the membership went out and collared a couple lions and in the southwest region here awesome. uh and so that was a great experience for him. And, and it was a little bit of a different experience than what, uh, uh, Matt's region was, um, you know, getting, getting a little bit, uh, uh, of interest out of the Boise office was a little more, more difficult. And, uh, you know, I think what they found out was they've been screaming, we're overrun with lions for so long. I think they had to eat a little bit of crow on that because they traveled thousands of miles to only call her two lions in the Southwest region. So, um, you know, how they were making management decisions and, uh, want to increase female quotas. I have no idea when they had no data to support it. So, really? um, yeah, so that, that's a little disconcerting because you don't want to, um, for me, you don't want to make rash decisions and change policy, uh, without, without, the biology. I, I have no idea how they, how they do that, but, uh, um, that, that seemed to be the direction it was heading. So, uh, it's, it's good that we have a little bit of a, um, you know, a little bit of, uh, science Better. to support. Yeah. And, and I think the key thing for me is the relationship. And I always, and I'll, uh, I, I irritate a lot of people probably, but I'm going to say, I always tell people the good old boy system is alive and well in the U S and that's not to mean that I, I, you know, that I agree with it or disagree with it, but the premise of what you guys are doing and the relationships you guys are making by doing what you're doing opens up doors to, to fish and game so that, you know, it's easy for us to get in our pickup truck and go hunt and not see anybody or go with our, you know, we don't see anybody and we don't associate with anybody except houndsmen, but we never get outside our own circle sometimes um, and it's easy to blame fish and game and they're easy to blame hound guys or, you know, whatever, sure. like those relationships that, that you guys are making over there are really strong. And I think those will have really lasting, um, 
percussions, you know what I mean? Good, good or bad. So that if something's happening, you can, sure. you have the ability to call up somebody and say, Hey, this is what I was thinking. And it's not just, you know, citizen Joe it's, Hey, yeah. You know, uh, Cody Rollins was, was with us. I, I was with you on that cover and you open that door. Yeah. And that's what I mean by, I guess that by the good old boy system is you have that phone number or that connection that you can pair off of and have a discussion with, with, with really, uh, you know, fish and game and, and even other people that may not, may not have agreed with what we did or had a misconception of what a hound dog and a hunt for a, a, a cougar in that situation looks like, you know, yeah, you just drive yeah. up in the woods and go <laughs> catch a cat. In sure. yards, you let a, a dog go and, yeah. and then you walk into a tree and your flip flops and it's like, yeah, that's not even yeah. close to what it is. <laughs> well, I think it's kind of like, like a relationship that's going on there with Matt and Jake in the wildlife. I think that that is really the catalyst because I mean, Jake, you just said they can only, you know, call her two lions, but yet they're wanting to increase quotas in in the past, historically, you know, people look at houndsmen as we just see the old adage of any cat or any good cat's a dead cat. Yeah. You know, when really you guys are out on the front line trying to keep things in line to ensure that we have lion hunting in Idaho years to come. Oh, yeah. It's just funny that the narrative gets flip-flopped a little bit there, but yet the only ones that see uh, a lot of the inside work or, or the few houndsmen that are involved in the studies or or, you know, clubs like your guys's clubs. And it's cool to see, because I do think it is a catalyst. And this is the thing that we got to build on going forward. If we want to have these kind of relationships. Yeah, for sure. Well, the houndsmen are the greatest advocate for these cats. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're the ones that are, that are out there, uh, enjoying them, taking their photos. And uh, there's no reason that we wouldn't want to have them around. And, you know, I'm hoping my nieces and nephews have a, a lot of years of enjoying, uh, uh, all of our wildlife so right yeah. so i assume you got a lot more cats down where you're at matt huh yeah yeah we have a, a better cat area so kind of a study design i mean one of them was you know around the state we're seeing different stuff boise area they're not finding a lot of cats right and then but the wolves are moving in they're heavy and so one of the questions we we wanted to address or with the study was uh, doing the part of the study in a heavy, a medium, and a light or no wolf area. And so where they chose that one down in the Utah corner, Utah-Wyoming corridor, there's not a lot of wolves down there, but there's a lot of uh, lions down there. I mean, that's not a lot, but there's it's a good lion uh, area. Um, and so down in that area, yeah, you, it's really accessible. You can get in there and, and – uh, there's a lot of roads up canyon so i mean as long as you put in your time you can find them but the boise area you know they you know a thousand miles and find one lion track that's that's rough you know um we went to northern idaho you know and that's that's the heavy wolf area and you know we found some cats but boy you're you're testing fate you know go running in there trying to make a loop before you even turn loose you know, but not knowing where those wolves are at and not knowing the area. That's, uh, how do, that how was do a little, the, uh, tough. Yeah. How, how do the biologists handle that wolf conflict? I mean, have you seen, and I guess 
my thinking and, and right or wrong. Did you see them nonchalant before and they're more apprehensive now or, or, you know, has they, have they changed? Has, has their, has their demeanor changed in any way about having and knowing your dog, I guess, and I keep talking about knowing your dogs before they were just hounds, you know what I mean? But I imagine they start learning your dogs and they pet them and they, you know what I mean? So they have a relationship with the dogs. Do you see their demeanor change about wolves or being nervous or scared, or do they see your, your reaction? And I'll shut up now so you can talk. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you can see, um, you can see their reactions and then you can see their, you know, how we're trying to figure out where the wolves are at. They can see the difference, how long it's taken you to figure that out. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of support like we had down uh, in the southeastern region, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, you see those different things and they start to realize some of those things from this study are the same in the Wyoming study, you know, you know, in certain areas where there's no wolf uh, or light wolf, you'll see that those lions are living on those kills. When they make a deer kill, they're, they're staying on it. But when he's in Northern Idaho, those, when you find a lion kill, those lions are moving a half to three quarters of a mile from that kill. And because they don't want to be caught next to that kill, they, I mean, the wolves mm. take it over. And so, yeah, you see those different variables and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of some of that different data there. But so, so that, that's, that's that, a really good point, but I want to, I, I want to get into the biologist, like the people running fish and game, you're, uh-huh. My question was directed towards them because they're the ultimate people who make the policy, right? So, right. So, do you see their opinion changing any, or do they, you know? And and that's a, a loaded question because the answer is probably not a ton. It is. But, but um, you know, do they soften up? So, as far as right now, I haven't had a lot of conversation on that yet we're still waiting to kind of see some of that data they've got a lot of cameras out there um but we haven't had a lot of really good conversations on on that aspect they know that the wolf population in northern idaho is really heavy they know that the locals are really mad about that uh, in my opinion I, it, it's a little different there they're they know that there's a problem there and they haven't voiced the opinion too much but part of our to kind of answer that in a different way, we've been working with the trapping Idaho Trappers Association and, and the guys in Northern Idaho, uh, you know, on, on helping getting more wolves taken out of the landscape. So if we can get them taken out of the landscape, then we can, guys can run more freer. They're not going to lose as many dogs when they're bear hunting in, in some of these areas or, or cat hunting. And so that's what we've really tried you know, I mean, your question was pretty loaded, but it's it's not only Idaho that's looking at that. I mean, we had the head carnivore specialist from Michigan show up and he spent five days with us. Mm-hmm. Um, he was learning and he's really, I mean, in his own opinion, he said, or in his own words, he, he said, I understand bears and wolves very well, but I don't know much about cougars and, yeah. and the cats. And so we spent five days with him. He learned the aspect of collaring lions, tracking them, the whole aspect. I mean, the guys in Michigan, they got a really good guy there that understands it now. And he's, he's pro lion. He wants to see those. They're seeing a few show up 
but I think Idaho is looking at some of these other states that have a lot of wolves too and trying to figure out how to get them into check and but yeah I, I always just wonder you know it, because it is a real like policy is all made by humans right and so it's perception and so the antis they they give their perception of what something is right so and and oftentimes we know that's wrong but the public doesn't and so when these when these you know fish and game or or biology right. or whatever they hear something that's not true but you know we've been painted by this brush of what a houndsman is or or a person who hunts with dogs is and so they have these preconceived notions of not only what we are and houndsmen are but even as far as wolves what what are wolves and and i was just wondering if if you working as hard as you do to cut out wolves changes their opinion on on the whole dynamic meaning it's a whole different thing to sit in an office and go oh we gotta we got, yeah i understand wolves are a problem but to spend your whole day with so much focus and energy on making sure a dog doesn't get hurt by a wolf i just wonder if that weighs on them oh i i think it does you know you see some of those guys that they some of them get it i mean they're like well can't we just at first they were like well can't we just turn loose on some of these like, well, we got to make a loop, you know, making sure where they're at, you know, and then they start to see it. You know, when we was up there, we went to one spot, didn't know the area. We collared a female and we ran into a local guy and he was a little, little off, but he was a little on edge that we were in his area, I think, <laughs> you know, so all of his buddies showed up trying to figure out what we was doing. A local but they're like, man, I can't believe you. Just a local. Yeah. Okay. local houndsman okay you know and and this is this is oh nine or ten hours from my house you know so it's definitely out of my comfort zone <laughs> but um here we are in this new area and they're like i can't believe you turned loose right here you guys are crazy I'm like really well we collared one cat we've got another one found we we're hoping to get it caught collared you know and they're like well man you guys need to be real careful and then you know we left there a few days later and uh, two days later, a local kid was in there hunting bobcats and and had had a bobcat caught 35, 40 yards off the trail. And I guess all three of these dogs got got killed by wolves. And that's pretty close to the road, you know, <laughs> yeah. in that same spot where we was at. So it's like, you know, when we relay that to the fishing game, they're like, wow, you know. So, I mean, they start understanding those dynamics of, Boy, we sure, and our commissioners have kind of caught on to that, that certain areas people aren't turning loose in because of the wolves. And so they're starting to see that, you know, but I don't think, you know, you really see it until you're out in the woods, like some of the biologists and the hound guys, you know. So, Jake, have you, you mentioned, you know, the, the Boise office, you know, have you been able to, and again, here we're getting into this, the politics of it and, oh, well, this may be. We may we may doom our whole podcast right here, but <laughs> this is so interesting. And I think it's so important, so I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna stick with it a little bit. But um, have you seen any uh, in the dynamic of, of the you know I used Boise office, but what have you guys done to to build your relationship, or, or is it are you trying or thinking or anything like that? 
Yeah. So there's, there's a interaction. Um, there was interaction for years between me and the biologists. And now there's interaction with the, um, current leaders and the biologists. And I think they have good relationships. Um, you know, it's like, uh, like anything, there's certain levels of experience with the biologists where like in Matt's region, um, you know, they've got Boone and they've got some other guys that have had a lot of experience with, uh, collar and lions. And here it's not, we've been asking for it for a long, long time, but we haven't had a lot of, uh, lot of luck getting any help with it. So, um, you know, it's kind of new to most of the people in, in this region. So I think it's just, we're probably gonna, it's probably gonna improve. I just think that there's, uh, you know, it, it's hard to get the ball rolling, I guess I'd say. Um, but, uh, the bio, the biologists I've talked to have a pretty good understanding of, of what we're going through here. We have a, a super dense, uh, wolf population here close to the treasure Valley. And, um, you know, part of it's because the, um, that close into, into town, they've really restricted the methods of take, uh, on wolves for a long time. And now that we've got some trapping seasons opened up, uh, here a little closer, I think it, it should improve things, but, uh, but yeah, houndsmen have been basically driven from the landscape, uh, you know, and, and we're, we're not hunting areas that historically we've always hunted. So, um, you know, the lions and the bears that, that they're trying to target aren't being harvested out of those areas either because they've taken the best tool out of their toolbox and thrown it away, so to speak. So, uh, it, it's a little frustrating, but I think with the biologists, you have a, um, you have some of them that really want to do good and want to learn. Um, and then some of them have, you know, an ideology that they, uh, adhere to and and they're not uh gonna deviate from that no matter what uh you know what information's tossed their way so that's a little bit frustrating but i think that's human nature we have we have some of that in, in washington <laughs> as well I'm sure, sure, sure. I'm sure in every state oregon too yeah they they uh it and it's it's like a battle it's the the person i and I, so I've had some meetings in in Washington and, and got to meet some antis and and some I would say conservation groups you know that that generally um, don't side with with our issues most of the time. Mm-hmm. And what I have really learned is they have a perception of who a houndsman is, and very often it's very wrong meaning yeah they're not meeting the jake benatendi or you know the matt potters or you know and when you or matt borg, matt, matt, borg yeah. <laughs> i screwed that up so close i got you back the outside team man we got I you i always joke i said i had an ex-girlfriend one time that did not go as smooth as you took it matt <laughs> so <laughs> can we still be friends Oh, that was that was the end of a day. I mean, that was the end of a girlfriend in in one one split second. Yeah, like, that, that day is over. Um, but anyways, that that um, connection that you we can make and and it's so powerful because they have a perception and they walk in to a room or a meeting or whatever and it's like, oh my gosh, here comes the hound guys. And then when you come in there and you show them that we care about the cougars. You know what I mean? We care about the cougars more than anybody probably out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the, you name a, a user group that, that cares more about cougars. It's not, it, it's gotta be the hound guy. I mean, I can't think of anybody else sure. that cares about cougars or bears or whatever we hunt. We're not doing it to shoot them all or kill them all. We're, you know, we're really there for the conservation of it. And so absolutely. Um, 
that that's so important for you guys to keep doing that. Yeah. Like, I think that's really, I think it's good. One well, thing I, that, Oh, sorry, Jason, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it, it kind of bridges the gap because what blows my mind when I really think about this in relationships with fishing game and general public is pets have been humanized so much. I mean, over the last several years, but yeah, hound dog. Well, that's, that's not a pet. You know, they don't see a lot of the bonding. They don't see how much these dogs mean to us. They don't see the relationships that we have. So every other dog, whether it's a poodle or a, you know, Chihuahua, that's a fur baby. But yet they just see these hounds as something isolated in a different, a different situation. But I think like situations like you guys, when you're hunting with them, they're seeing, they can't help but pick up on some of that, whether they acknowledge it or not. And I know when we had our incident down here, I had to take a dog in that had, uh, that had been attacked and it was a potential wolf issue. So when I showed up, you know, the, the biologist kept referring to, um, you know, the specimen, the specimen, the specimen. And I said, her name is Loretta. And that is how we are going to refer to her until the end of this investigation. That is you. my dog. And it's something that simple from a houndsman, I think makes all the difference in the world. All we have to do is make them check and think for two seconds and realize that they are just alienating an entire group of people and dogs on a false perception of what we are really all about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very, very frustrating because we're uh, often misunderstood and misrepresented. And that's one thing that I think uh, I've tried to do as well as I could. Matt's done very, very well. Um, A lot of the other guys have done very well is we're putting our best, you know, we're putting our best people out there and we're trying to trying to bring up the quality of, of, of our group and trying to show these people we're professionals. We just love to hound hunt. It's not anything different than if you like to golf or if you like to do anything else, you know, we're good people and we're family people. Uh, just more and, expensive. Yeah. And, to, and to <laughs> me, to me, the definition of a houndsman has nothing to do with how many bears you catch and how many lions or bobcats you catch. It's do you take exceptional care of your animals? Like I take a tremendous amount of pride in how my animals are cared for. And I don't like it when I see somebody that doesn't meet that same criteria. That really bothers me. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the harder we are on ourselves and the, the higher standard that we hold ourselves to, the better off the future of our sport is. Well, yeah, so you guys, I, hold on. So um, you both have, you do something at the Capitol too, right? Camel at the Capitol, yeah. Camel with the capital. That's what I was going to. And Matt, you guys, you guys come together on that. I think your two associations. Yep. We do. Yep. That's awesome. So yep. you guys bring dogs into the capital too, or do they let you bring the dogs in or. No, no, they, uh, you know, we, we took our, our, uh, bear we used for the field trials. Um, Yogi as my boys call him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's a life-size bear and, uh, I just created a stand for it. We took it in and, and used that the last couple of years, you know, and it w- it was interesting because we had, as soon as we set it up, you know, some of the guys from the presidency were sitting there and they said, you know, Jesse and Tyler and some of those guys were like, well, I'd be interesting to see how this goes over. And within a few minutes, we had the, the police from the Capitol like, hey, you're going to have to move that. I'm like, well, where it was point the governor told us to show up and we could use our own props. And I was like, Oh, you're meaning the, the fire zone. I mean, the, the walkways and he goes, yeah. And I'm like, okay, what is it? Nine feet. And he goes, yep. I'm like, 
stepped off nine feet, moved him in a little bit, said, all right, we're good to go. <laughs> you were ready for the fight. You were like, oh, I'm a, I was invited here. You can't kick me off that fast. You're already. Yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, crap, we're going to get kicked out already. You know, but uh, a few minutes later, you know, I mean, we went and did our thing. And the, the police officer there for Boise was like, well, I, okay. And I'm like, well, I think the bear's staying unless the, I mean, we're going to meet with the governor and he, he allowed us to come. <laughs> but it turned out well. You know, we had all the senators and congressmen come out, and not all of them, but several came through the booth and saw some of the stuff that the both clubs do, you know. Or kind of our youth skills day where we take out the kids on some of the little hunt deals or to see the dogs, how to train a dog. And, and, uh, you know, we use, they obviously ask us on the bear hunting and stuff like that. It, it went over really well. It's kind of neat to see some of the reactions, but there were several that were grew up as a houndsman or had been out with them. So that was kind of neat to see and, and know some connections there that, well, this person's bird hunted with dogs. This person grew up with hounds. That would be a real good connection inside the Capitol for how do we push this bill? How do we how do we attack this bill that's going through and, and we need to we need to intervene somehow and who do we talk to? So Yeah, that's that's so important that I've started to learn as uh here in Washington they had a bill um and I, I was coming out of the woods and I I seen the, the sportsman's alliance alert. You know, what I mean I get this email and I'm like, Well shoot, Senator Rivers is is my senator, you know, and I and so I was able to just shoot her a quick email of this alert that had her name on it. I'm like, hey, you know, Ann, what's what's up with this? And she it was an animal cruelty bill, you know, and so on the face, it's like, Oh, that's bad. But they were talking about sexually assaulting animals and stuff, and I'm like yeah, we're we're definitely not in favor of that. You know what I mean? Like like you said, Jake, if somebody's not taking care of your your animals, we're not going to support that. Now, if, you know, so so she called me back. I mean, I, I hadn't even made it out of the woods. I haven't read the whole email, but just having that relationship mm-hmm. that that she's like, "Hey, buddy, what's going on?" And, you know, she called me right away, and, and I'm like, I, I said, I, I haven't read it, I haven't researched it, but what is it? She goes, "Well, buddy, this got some sexual assault stuff in it, and this, but." But there were some parts in there that that would have kind of circled us in, you know what I mean, as far as mm-hmm. um, cold weather and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I, but so anyway, she was just like, oh, yeah, no, totally agree with you guys. That's not what this is for. And, you know, send in the lobbyist and put us in a working group. And and we were to sit there and explain and say, hey, you know, I take my dogs out in the, in the wintertime and and they're built for that. You know what I mean? They, they get hide. They, you know, they cold weather is not is not um you know animal cruelty you know to to a dog that's trained now you take a one of them little mexican tiny dogs i don't even know chihuahua chihuahua there you go you take a chihuahua <laughs> out in the snow and go go you know put it next to a lab and, and have it go fetch and that's probably animal cruelty <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. that dog is, is a purse dog you should probably keep it in the purse yeah and, uh but just that relate, just like you said, just that relationship of knowing who to go talk to, and oh. and it was, it, it was so much that we just made so much ground so quickly, rather yeah. than emailing and being like, you got to stop this and trying to mass email. One phone call did much more than than a hundred emails. Yeah, for sure. Call. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about the the last 10 years or so in Idaho is, you know, between the Trappers Association, the Foundation for Wildlife Management, Eastern Idaho and the IHA, um, you know, we've built those relationships to where if Matt sees something coming towards us, he gets a hold of me, gets a hold of Cody, gets a hold of, you know, somebody and it's it's out uh, on social media and it's out there fast. So so we can start fighting it immediately. And, you know, um, you know, kudos to everybody that's been involved in the last few years, because every couple of years we have some kind of a a negative uh, attempt uh, a proposal that comes through our fishing game to take our, you know, seasons and knock them down a little bit. And yeah. we've been very, very fortunate to defeat those. So we're on the clock here, Matt, you had something you had to be at soon, right? What, what's your time look like? I got an extra half an hour actually, but that's about uh, where I'm at. So. Okay. So, so I don't, we want to hear a good dog story from you and maybe a train wreck before. So we, I, I've kind of given up that this this post has gone or this podcast has gone political. It's like, well, this this ship has gone that direction. <laughs> we have to pull it out of the water before we like. I got a breaking point if you want that has to do. I mean, it sounds like both the Idaho clubs are very active. Is that Absolutely. a pretty accurate assessment? You bet. So what are you guys doing right now since everything's been shut down? I mean, like clubs around the U.S. are just shutting down events like crazy because of this COVID. I mean, have you guys just had to cancel all your events or what are you guys doing for fundraising to help support you guys through this time? Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's the deal is we've had to cancel those. And so we're trying to figure those out. You know, we did our membership drawing just the other day. um, And, and actually, Two one, Jake and Amanda. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you know, and and it was a it was a T five caller that you know that we had on that buy in process we'd done with you guys, and so well we sure appreciate that. And and uh, yeah, so we're trying to do those little things to keep everybody uh, little things to try and keep motivated. Like it's still going to come around. We still got to hope, you know, um, you know, and trying to, you know it's hard to do everything online because there's a lot of guys uh, that aren't online. And so like we did the membership drawing and we had a few guys that were like, man, we would have supported it, but I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on social media. And so, you know, it's that fine line. I mean, trying to figure out what we can do right now and still keep going. And and that's, that's, uh, that's been pretty tough. I, I don't know what you, what you do, you know, maybe send everybody a, a newsletter to try and let them know what we got going on and what we've been working on. And so, Jake, but, Jake what's I mean, even going on the, for you with, with, with Idaho? Uh, so, Idaho so, so, so the IHA had to push back their uh, banquet and their uh, spring trial. So as I understand it, the water trial in, uh, in August is when they're going to do the banquet. So, um, you know, I think that's going to be up in the air until we know for sure, you know, how this whole COVID thing goes. But, uh, um, if, if you're following the Idaho Houndsman Association on Facebook, they're very good about putting updates up. I would, uh, I would definitely, you know, stay tuned to what's going on. And, um, you know, uh, other clubs too, one thing the IHA has done in the past, that's been really good to get, uh, 
to get some uh, interest is, you know, give away a, um, an Idaho Houndsman W uh, sweatshirt or, you know, do a photo contest, something just to kind of keep the juices flowing. Cause, um, you know, there are little stagnant times throughout the year that, uh, that we need to do things, you know, the Eastern Idaho club, uh, does those skull contests, which is an awesome deal. Um, you know, and, and get some of those kids out there, try and get them some awards throughout the year. So, uh, th- those are good things that we can do and, and keep, uh, keep the ball rolling. But I think everybody's, you know, the bear seasons are open here now and I think everybody's kind of got bears on the brain. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I think with, with, and that's just not Idaho, right? Cause I know with Oregon United Sporting Dog Association, we had our meeting and we, 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 uh, we canceled it and half of it was those, you're making these decisions, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I know they were, you know, they'd call me and keep me informed and everybody's making these decisions on trying to, to forecast. And that's the hard, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to sit back and go, yeah. Oh, this isn't a big deal, but it's like, man, you're making these decisions to plan. And yeah. are you going to be able to, and number one, or are we going to have a, an economy? You know what I mean? I know one of the decisions yeah. was, do we want to try and take people money out of yeah. people's pockets? Because, maybe they lost their job. Yeah. And so it's like, man, do we want to try and fundraise in that environment? So um, we just wanted to come yeah. to, to light that there's a lot of things that, that you guys as associate, you know, running your associations and, and other associations, not just Idaho, not just Oregon, there's California, there's Michigan, there's you know, all these bear hunters. I mean, Wisconsin. So um, Jason came to me before this podcast and was like, we, you know, here's where I'm going to be transparent. He's like, should we run a sale? And I was like, no, I don't want to run a sale. You know, try to, we want, you know, here, here, full transparency. We're trying to figure out, trying to, you know, what the engagement of the podcast is. And so what we, we both kind of strategized was we want to do um, a 20% discount in, in W. So the club will get the full dues. So whatever your dues are, uh, if you if you go to our our join the fight page and Jason, what promo code did we want to use? Uh, we're just going to use promo code fight. Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast and you go to our website and go to the join the fight page, you can sign up for any hound association that's on our website, and the, they should get a twenty percent discount, and then we will pay that twenty percent. You know, so the club will get the full dues. I want to make sure that that's clear. So. Um, I don't know. You might get one. <laughs> yeah, we can't promise anything, guys. But you one know, of the no. two podcast listeners right here listening right now may join. I don't know, but um, we can do something. I don't know. No, thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Well, the thing is, is most people that aren't involved in things like you are, they don't understand that that one night or two events makes up ninety percent of your guys's fundraising to fight for our rights. So. Yeah we just wanted to extend something out there and, and keep it not about W for sure. I mean, we don't want to push sales. We want to, we want to get things in the hands of people who are putting boots to the ground. And, and I think it would just be a cool thing. So everybody out there, check out that join the fight page because there are organizations from all over the U S I mean, and you can join all of them if you want. I mean, we're going to run this through what buddy end of June. Yeah, I think so. So this podcast will, what what day did we say this was going to go on the seventh of June? Mm-hmm. We got to look now. I don't. Yeah, even now know. we're really not together. We're not. We're not exactly. Um. So, uh, with that said, 
we want and that kind of helps us so so help definitely promote that get people to engage if you guys and i'm always um i'm always cautious about how does that join the fight page work for you guys because i guess it's been a while since we've checked in on it you know you guys were with us from the beginning is it smooth enough for you guys or we make it easy enough for you guys i think it's great on our end it it was great on our end you think so yeah You'd, pro- you'd probably want to I really think, uh, ask the secretaries that, well, Matt is the secretary, but. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd have to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. No, no. In our experience in the past, though, buddy, that's been real helpful because we've had uh, a lot of people sign up for the IHA uh, through W. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was slick. You guys just uh, cut the money out sent it right over and it was fantastic when we had another member. So, um, I, I think, I think people are, uh, have a misconception about clubs and, uh, you know, there's power in numbers. So the more clubs you can join, you don't have to join our club, join the club, your local club, join Matt's club, join any club, but get involved and, uh, you know, get out there and, and, and make a difference. Cause it's, uh, it's incredible you know, when you've got two people, it's pretty tough. But if you've got a hundred people, you've got some, uh, some clout there. So. And one thing about that is you kind of, you, so, I don't know which one mentioned it, but being out in front is not for every houndsman. You know what I mean? Like by nature, we're not an out front kind of group, you know, we like to be behind the dogs in the woods um, mm-hmm. away from people. And so, it's really important sometimes that you got those guys that will step up and, and go to the Capitol and go do that stuff that nobody likes to do, but you need somebody, you know, when the humane society sends their people, they don't send the crazies. They don't, you know, the crazies don't go to the Capitol. I mean, they do that to protest, but when they go in their meeting, they got some cute girl dressed up to the nines and that's who was going, and especially when they're talking to a a, a, a dude that's a politician. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And this politician is just looking. Yeah. He's, he's enjoying that meeting. And, and yeah. that is a true observation. That is not a sexist comment. I mean, <laughs> eyes on scene at first hand. That's how it happens, and they play off of everything. I mean, am I right, buddy? Yes. And and that's when you're walking. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys have seen that, but you'll be sitting in the Capitol for the meeting, and you watch it walk in. And you go, "Well, there's there's HSU at whoever yeah. you know I mean, whoever it is is like." You know, and in, in, in these, yep. these uh, committee meetings, you're just looking at it going, God, I wish I could. And I got to stop right now because it's going to turn sexy. Yeah, stop, buddy. <laughs> well, and it's, a, it's a repetitive message. They all walk in. It's stated. They've got a, a document with everything to say. I mean, that's one thing I'll yeah. say dealing with like California houndsmen just because I've dealt with them personally is when they go and they deliver a message, it's the same message every time. And I know Matt, you and Jake, I mean, it's all about reiterating the same message and being consistent. So, I mean, thank you guys for all you do. I mean, I know I'm from Oregon, but what you guys are both doing in Idaho and those clubs really speak a lot for, for everybody, especially in the Western States. Yeah. So thank you guys again, go to join the fight page any association in the month of June will be 20% off. If you use the, the, the promo code fight, you can also call us on and when we can enter the code in for you. And with that said, let's, let's get away from the politics. We, 
but he's dying for a train wreck. You know, you can tell that all of us are really, um, we're passionate about this, and that's that's what I I, I didn't. I came in, it was, we, we came into this podcast going, we can't make it about politics. We can't make it about politics. And each one of us are so passionate about it. We dove right into the politics and, and myself <laughs> included. And so, so Matt, let's hear yeah. a dog story. Let's hear a train wreck. Let's, let's tell me about a dog hunting story that you enjoy. Well, I'll just start with the train wreck, I guess. I guess mine are usually, I call them note, note to self moments. <laughs> <laughs> it usually involves when I don't have any sleep. Uh, uh, you know, like this lion, we was doing the lion carring and I've got like two hours sleep and, and I've eaten some bad pork chops, uh, about, about two o'clock in the morning, two or three in the morning, I was coming out in my, on the snowmobile and I was going about, I don't know, 55 or 60. And, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I'm going to blow chunks. And so I just pulled down my mask and started puking. And I looked up and here was all I saw was one sagebrush and a cliff. And so I bailed off. The old snowmobile went down the bottom of the ravine. Couldn't find it. Had to walk out. Had to chain up the truck <laughs> to get out. And then got back. And, of course, it was my boy's birthday. So uh, <laughs> it didn't go so well. But, you don't have you that to do you, Matt. <laughs> no, that was a good one. You know, and he... He asked for a snowmobile for his birthday, so I, I told him, well, <laughs> yeah, like two of them that year. <laughs> Did you give him the GPS coordinates to go find his his birthday present? Yeah, had to get pretty creative getting it out of there, but you know, it, you know, probably a one of those deals. You know, getting creative, chaining up, and getting it out of there. But you know, a real good uh, dog experience is, you know, sometimes it's. For me, it's when I have all those kids or people that haven't seen those things, and you you turn loose on a lion or a bear, and like a lion, I turned loose and I had a bunch of people with me. I had six kids with me. Uh, only one of them was mine, and and they'd never seen a lion before. And we turned loose and we caught it on top of a cliff, and so they got to go in there and see a bay up on a cliff. And boy, those kids were just that was the coolest thing they had ever seen. Got to get the dogs off. They each walk the dog out, you know, switching off. And, and uh, you know, it's all about those experiences and those making those moments, you know, that they'll always remember. And, and uh, you know, I didn't have that a lot when I was a kid because I wasn't, didn't grow up a houndsman. And, and uh, I think that's pretty important to take a kid out and really share that, that passion we've got with them and, and let them see those things. Excellent. Yeah. So what did you, did you get, did you get a second snowmobile for your boy? No, I took it home. We, we actually ended up getting it repaired, but it was, it's kind of a skeleton right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of scabbed together a little bit to make it through, but a lot of, a lot of parts, but we was fortunate. We had another one sitting there. <laughs> right on. Right on. Well, Jake, let's hear a story from you. Oh boy. Oh, it's a clean, a clean one. A clean one. Yeah. Uh, well, well uh, not that I, clean. you can be a little bit of drama. Involved. <laughs> a couple of years ago, Amanda and I were hunting with some friends, uh, Brandon and Jody Petros. And, uh, um, I like to walk with the dogs when they're walking a bear and I don't like to stay in the truck, but so sometimes I walk five miles to 
go to a tree that's a hundred yards off the road. Um, but so that's kind of what I did that day. I was following the dogs and everybody pretty well got to the tree about an hour ahead of me. And so I finally walked into the tree all disheveled looking and uh, beat up and uh, from walking through the chaparral brush. And uh, I got there and everybody had their dogs tied back, but mine. And we had a, uh, a niece of Jody's with us that day and she hadn't been bear hunting before. And Amanda and Jody were explaining to her, you know, bear hunting safe. We got the dogs here. Nobody ever gets hurt, you know, all that spiel. And, uh, I looked up and the bear started coming down the tree. And so naturally I reached up and slapped it trying to keep it up there. So I get chains on my dogs and it turned around and drove me into the ground with its front feet and all my dogs jumped on top of me and ran over the top of me down the hill after the bear again. So I had the wind knocked out of me so bad I couldn't even hardly talk. And it was only about a hundred pound bear, but a hundred pound bear, 15 feet up a tree landing on you is like an anvil hitting you. So uh, for a couple of weeks, I had pretty good bruises on my chest and the girls thought that was good times. And that's when Jake learned to never say the word ever. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had respectable dogs. Like they just ran right over oh, you. No. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. They just left me in the dust. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. that's, that's, awesome. that's interesting. Cool. Well, um, thank you guys. Yeah. I think we can wrap this up so Matt can get, get off to his, his prior arrangement. Thank you guys for, for pulling this together. We'll have to do it again and try to like, try to steer the ship not straight in the because you know it, it we want to make sure that we we enjoy we you know the fun part about this this whole thing is the dogs and and so one of the things we really are trying to focus on is is the dogs but if if we don't protect that if we don't step up and and do the things that that we have to do with the associations and you guys get to the capital and, and getting those biologists out and, and showing them that we really do care about the dogs and we're not going to be able to do that tomorrow or, you know, our next generation or our kids if, if we don't do that. So um, I know a lot of people, they get really tired about the political stuff, but it is really important that we, we uh, somebody's got to do it you know what i mean we can't just point at everybody else and say oh somebody else do it somebody's got to step up so thank you guys for that thank you guys you guys do a ton appreciate it